Hey, good morning. Can I just look into the camera this morning and just say we are so glad that you are with us today. We love you. We are so honored and we are so blessed that you would join us and be a part of this service today. Um, would, it, would invite you just to check right there below on the live stream, Facebook. Tell us where you're watching from. We would just love to know. I was, uh, I was just looking through here. So many so many different people watching today. Wow, I mean, like from all over. I've, <laughs> I just noticed I've got some on here that I went to high school with. Wow, that's awesome. Um, I know we needed Jesus in high school. And so I uh, wanna say hey to you. Uh, if you want, if you're from my high school, click, go like, go Panthers, all right? All right. Um, hey, it's good to have, it's good to have, I got some family on here today, Sarah and Kyle, love you. Uh, Jason and Becky and their kids are on here. My brother is even on here today, my favorite brother. Um, and I'm praying that by the time this service ends today, even my brother will get saved. Uh, hey, it's, I wanna say a shout out to Micah in Tennessee. Um, I see he's on there. Um, wow, several on here today from Kansas. Hey, Kansas, um, New Jersey. My buddy Chris in White House, um, Patty Parton, man, just uh, from Spring City, Tennessee. Hello, Tennessee. Um, I wanna say hi to Maryland and Fort Myers. I see, uh, hey, this is Sedona from Dodge City, Kansas. There is a Dodge City, Kansas. I used to pastor there years ago. Love you, Sedona, and uh, glad that you're with us today. Um, hi, Liz, again. I see you each week. Um, wanna, say, uh, wanna say hi to all of our Sarasota friends. We have so many that are still down there and uh, it just feels like you're a part of us though uh, in the service today. I wanna say hi to you. Say hi to Krista. I see Krista's on here. <laughs> uh, uh, Krista, when I saw your name, the first thought that popped into my mind was we all need haircuts, all right? So we're looking forward to getting you back to work. Uh, just wanna say hi to Tammy. Wow, my uh, friend of mine, uh, District Superintendent uh, Dale in Florida, uh, pray for you and thankful for you and your leadership during times like this. Uh, Kathy from Clinton, Illinois, uh, where my ministry began. Hi, Kathy. Um, Tony, um, just wanna say hi to all of you. Wow, well, I could just keep going on, but wanna say hi to all of you who um, have joined us especially those of you that pray for us each week because we really rely on your prayers and everything that happens in our services is a result of your prayers. In fact, um, my prayer is that you can sense wherever you are watching today the same sweet spirit of the presence of the Lord that is in this place today that is also with you uh, wherever you are today. Well, last week we began a new series uh, entitled I want more, a fully devoted life. I wanna, I wanna be more like Jesus. And if ever there were a day that uh, people are looking for more, it is today because we have found very quickly how everything that we thought we put our hope and trust in, how that can all just be gone. And they are looking, people are looking for Christians who are more than just superficial Christians, people that uh, are looking for something that gives them hope and gives them help for something more in their lives. 
And so today I want us to look at what it looks like to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. I want more. What, what is it that we're supposed to be? What, what is a fully devoted follower of Christ look like? And so I wanna give you just five quick stories from the word of God today, just as we jump in. The, the first story comes to us from John chapter three. It is a story about a guy named Nicodemus. Many of you may have heard of Nicodemus. Uh, his message was be good, live a good life, uh, keep the law, work hard. And if you do all those things, you might squeak into heaven. And so he hears about this guy named Jesus. So one night he comes to Jesus and he asks some questions for him. And this is where we pick up the passage in John chapter three. In fact, this is where we get the most famous passage, probably all of us know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that if you would just believe in him, you would not perish but have eternal life. This is this context. And so it says there in John chapter three, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. They were like the spiritual leaders of the day. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. So he recognizes he is a teacher, not just a teacher, but one that has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And now we get Jesus' response to this. For Jesus said, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And one of the things that Jesus tells Nicodemus that night that he tells us today is a fully devoted follower of Christ starts. It begins with someone who is born again. And this just rocked Nicodemus world because he'd been telling everybody it was all about human effort. It wasn't about God or being redone or new life. It was about, it was about human effort. It was about working. And so this started this long conversation. Um, and not only at the end of that conversation, not only does it tell us later that he became a follower, but I believe he became a fully devoted follower of Christ. Because Jesus was teaching Nicodemus and Jesus was teaching us today that we can't clean our act up good enough to work our way into heaven. There aren't things that we can do. There aren't deeds that you can do today. You can't act a certain way today that somehow that will make you holy and righteous. You have to trust what Christ did on the cross and that through Christ, we begin to have a new life. Salvation by faith is what Jesus began to teach. Now, in regards to this being born again, uh, in regards to that day when we will stand before him, none of us knows when our life will end. It may be great if we could just like know, okay, like December the uh, 7th, you know, 2055, my life, my life will, will end, but we don't know that. But when that day comes, if God were to say to you on that day when your life ends here and you begin a new life, when, when that day happens, if God were to look at you and as you stand at the gates of heaven, he were to say on the, 
On what basis should you be given entrance into the kingdom of heaven? What, what would your answer be? I mean, what are you going to say on that day and in that moment? What will your answer be? Is it going to be like, well, you know, on my merits, something that I did, you know, I lived a good life, I, I had good deeds, I went to church, I even, God, I even went to church online every week. I sent in some money, I read the Bible, I served some. What, on whose merits, uh, when he asked that question, should I let you into heaven, what is your response going to be? And there is, listen, there is only one right answer on that day. It is on the merits of Jesus Christ your son whose death for me was appropriated and I trusted in him solely. It's all about him. Uh, a few years ago, Vicki and I were invited by some pastor friends of ours to come to their church for a drama that was called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. So we had heard about this and we were anxious to go. And so we drove, I think it was on a Tuesday night and we arrived there and uh, when we got there, we saw that they were lined up all the way out the door into the parking lot. And we, we kind of uh, meandered toward the front door and uh, someone just told us, hey, listen, we are packed out. You're gonna have to come back um, another night. There's no seats available. And we were like crushed. We had driven a couple hours to be there and we wanted to see this and and then we started to walk to our car, and I thought, well, now, wait a minute. Uh, my friend told me that he was going to save a place for us. And so I, I'm just going to, like, see if I can. I told my wife, I'm just going to see if I can get us into the lobby and then maybe peek in and see if I can locate and just kind of get a feel for what's going on, maybe see my friend. And um, so we're like going past people, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. People are like looking at us because we're being kind of rude, you know. And we got into the lobby and I made my way around and an usher stopped me and said, sir, we're packed out. And I said, I know, I just wanna peek my head in the door to see if I can see my friend. And he let me and as I peeked my head in the door, I saw my friend down front and he saw me and he stopped and he grabbed a microphone and he said, everybody, I want you to welcome my special friends, Tim and Vicki Gates. I've been waiting for you guys to come. We have a seat reserved for you right down front. He had us come in and I looked at all the people standing in line that couldn't get in, you know, and I got a little proud as I walked through the door and I wanted to say to them, hey, it's just a matter of who you know. <laughs> it's a matter of who you know. And there is coming a day when you will stand before a holy God and I, I wanna make what I'm about to say as clear as I possibly can. On that day, the only thing that matters is who you know. That's the only thing that matters. You can't pay your way in. You can't talk your way in. You can't do enough good works in that moment. You have got to be clear on this point. Do you know Jesus Christ in a personal way? Have you been born again? Because you, you have to answer 
that question. The second story is from Matthew chapter eight, and it's about the story of a Roman centurion, a military official, if you will. He was in charge of, um, of others, a hundred people or so that were underneath his authority. And he hears about Jesus and he, he walks right up to Jesus. And it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and is in terrible pain. And I love this. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But look what this officer said. Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. <laughs> I love these words. Just say the word. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And boy, in the context of this, Jesus is blown away by the faith of this guy that is so great that he has demonstrated. And so he leads us into, shows us this second mark of a fully devoted follower who wants more. A fully devoted follower of Christ must have a total submission to the absolute authority of Christ, Jesus Christ in your life. Because that's another question you have to answer. Who is the ultimate authority in your life? Many years ago, I decided that I was gonna put myself under the full authority of Jesus. I just deemed Jesus Christ to be smarter than I was. Come on, he was smarter than me. I figured out he loved me. I learned that he wanted what was best for my life. I trusted him and I remember the night that I bowed my heart and I had asked him to come in. I felt like I was born again, forgiven of my sin, but I remember when I asked him, uh, just say the word God and I will obey. I want my life to come in total submission to you. I want you to have authority over my life. And there are many of you that are watching right now who have come to the place in your lives just like I did, and you said, yes, God, just say the word and I will submit to your authority in my life. I will do that. You tell us where to go, we'll go. You tell us what to do, we'll do it. You tell us how to serve, we, we will serve. You, you, you ask us to forgive, we will forgive anyone. Just say the word, God, you have total absolute authority in my life. And so here is the question for you. Is your life fully surrendered to the authority of Christ? Because the gap between your talk and your walk are extremely important to God. What you say and how you live, the difference of those two are of extreme importance to God because he wants to be the authority of your life. And a devoted follower of Christ comes to the place where they realize, they recognize, I want you, God, to be the absolute authority in my life. A third story comes from John chapter 17. John 17 is a great story, it's a great passage. It's right before Jesus is leaving this life 
um, and he has this intimate time with his disciples and he's sharing with them. But John 17 is a prayer that Jesus had for his disciples and for all that would come after him, that would believe in him. It is a prayer that Jesus prayed shortly before his death. And here's what he said. Father, my deepest prayer hmm, is that my followers would love each other so that the whole world would wake up to the truth about you, Father, and the truth about me because of their, their love. A fully devoted follower of Christ is regularly committed to loving relationships. They are committed to community, to working together with those that are Christ followers, and they do it all in loving relationships. A fully devoted follower of Christ asks on a regular basis, am I increasingly loving others? Am I growing deeply in a spirit of love for others? Because one of the biggest agendas is to make you a more loving man. It's to make you a more loving woman. He said, they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So if I'm a truly devoted follower of Christ, every day I'm just growing in love. I just love people. I love people that love God. I love people that don't love him yet. I just, I'm just loving people. See, if your heart were fully surrendered, come on, I'm talking to somebody today. If your heart were fully surrendered to him, your life would be growing. Your heart would be growing every day more and more of love for others. They will know you are my disciples by your love. And so a fully devoted follower often will ask himself or herself, what do I do that defeats the spirit of love in my life? What are things about me that rob love and joy in my life towards others? Come on, it could be, it could be, well, now I'm gonna meddle. It could be just something you post on Facebook. It could be a comment that you make. It could be a snarky remark. What do I do that defeats the spirit of love in my life? Do I just play games spiritually? Do I, am I a critical person toward others? Do I just look around and I'm just looking at faults in other people? Do I, do I gossip? Because one day I'll do a message on gossip and it will be one that most of us won't want to hear because Jesus had more to say about gossip than he did about any other sin. Why? Because he knows that it breaks down this idea of loving others. Do I break confidentialities? Do I encourage people when I'm around them? When they walk away from me, do they feel better or do they feel worse? See, you were created to move into relationships that are filled with love and trust and vulnerability and closeness. That is how God made you to be. And this is why you need to be connected to a small group. You need to be in a connect group of some sort. And if you are not, listen, if you are not, 
You need to be. You can't do this unless you are connected with others. Come on. Now, I know we've got, I know we have a lot of people watching from all over the country, even out of the world. By the way, good morning to all of our Ecuador friends. We love you. I'm going to talk about you in a minute. But you need to be involved, connected to a group of people that are doing life together because they will make you better. They will help you love one another better. And if you're not in a group, if you're connected to our church and you're not in a group, in fact, man, this is, you could be all over the world today. You could do this and you could connect with us here because we're most all the groups right now are just connecting online, right? Zoom. And if you are not in a group and you would like to be in a group, or if you would just like to find information, we're not going to put you in a group. We'll just give you some information and you make a decision. But if you will just type like right down below, like right down here somewhere on your screen, type in small groups, just type in small groups. And someone from our staff will will just get you some information on getting into one of our many small groups and that will help you be a better devoted follower of Christ. All right, our fourth story is in John chapter 13. Again, this is the same context of the John 17 story. It's the same context of the story we just read, these passages. And it is the story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And and so we read these words. It says, Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer cloak or clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I don't have time to get into culture, but that was a cultural thing. They wore sandals, their feet were dirty, they'd come into a room, especially if they're getting ready to eat a meal. And someone was usually there. Usually it was a servant boy and he would be at the door and he would wash their feet. And if he wasn't there, then it would be someone else that would wash the feet and no one was there. And Jesus just shocks them by washing the feet of his disciples, which he would be the last person they would expect. And so we have to continually ask the question of others, how can I serve you? Because a fully devoted follower of Christ, his life is about serving other people. See, Jesus said, you wanna follow me? Pick up your cross. A cross is not an easy thing. A cross is not a popular thing. And he says, if you wanna be my follower, you learn to serve people. How can I serve you today? How can I serve you? How, how, can, how can my life bless your life? You know, the greatest day in the life of a marriage is when a immature spouse becomes mature and stops demanding their own way and they begin to serve their partner out of pure love. They actually get joy out of serving their partner. Jesus said, if you're going to bear my name, Come on, this is so strong. He said, if you're gonna bear my name, then you have to follow my example. You have to put a towel around your waist and you have to start serving people. You you love people, 
You give yourself to people, you serve people. I, I, listen, I'm, I'm most of my way through this thing called life right now. That's a humbling thing to say. And the richest moments as I reflect on my life, the richest moments of my life have been those moments that I have served other people. It's not been when I've been acknowledged for doing things. In fact, those are sometimes uh, very hard on me. I don't like to get any kind of public acclaim. It's just hard. It just is. It's, 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 it's just tough for me. Um, it's not when I've been acknowledged for like accomplishing things in the church or, or preaching a message or whatever. Um, it, it's just when I have served other people. And many of you know what I'm talking about. Everybody, listen, if you are a fully devoted, I know, I'm, I know that we're not looking at 8,000 people online right now, we're looking at a few. If your life is about being a fully devoted follower of Christ, so I'm not looking at the crowd, I'm looking at the few. If that's your life, then your life is about serving other people. Everyone should be serving somewhere regularly. Every one of you has spiritual gifts that God wants to use and you should know what your gifts are. And if you don't know what your gifts are, listen, just type in the word spiritual gifts or send us an email at the church office or, or get a hold of us. We will help you find out what your spiritual gifts are. And the scripture says that when you are not using your spiritual gift, the body, that is us, that is the church, that is all of you watching online, the body suffers. In other words, the body is not at its full capacity of what God meant for it to be. And if you don't know your spiritual gifts, let us know, we will help you. Come on, some of the greatest stories that all of us have heard, at least I know for us here at the church, some of the greatest stories that we have heard in the last six or seven weeks through all of this craziness has been the opportunities and the ways people have served. Doing things for people, lifting people up, bringing food, doing errands, those are some of the greatest stories and they bring the most joy. Okay, last story of what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Uh, well, a fully devoted follower of Christ has to be a servant. We talked about that. It's, our last story is in Luke chapter 16. And interestingly enough, Jesus here talks about money. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, preacher, I knew you were going to get into that. No, come on, stay with me. I'm not going to teach you anything on money today. Jesus is. Jesus is talking about money, and he shocks his audience with this story. Now, we're talking not about, we're not, we're not talking about money or getting, we're, we're not talking about anything to do with the church right now. Jesus is talking to individuals. And we're talking about how do we become fully devoted followers of Christ. And I'm telling you, Jesus always got right to the heart of the issue. And here's what Jesus said. If you don't like what I'm about to share with you, get on your knees after this service is over today and have a little talk with Jesus, all right? And let him know how you feel. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen. That means he, like, he had like really nice underwear, all right? Silk underwear, okay? Um, 
and he lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus. Now, this is not the same Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead that was a good friend of Jesus. It's a different one. A beggar named Lazarus who was covered with sores, longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. So what we have here is we have a story of a very wealthy man who has everything in this life. And then we have a story of this beggar who has everything wrong in this life. And Jesus went on to say, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side in in heaven or in the afterlife. And the rich man also died and was buried. However, he went to a different place. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And and, and later, you know, we'll, we'll find out there's this great gap or chasm because one represents hell and one represents heaven. And, and, you know, there was this impossibility for Abraham to come and help this guy. But it is the story of someone who is very, very rich, very wealthy, had everything that this life could ever possibly want to give. And then you have the story of someone who is very poor, who had nothing and even physically had nothing. And they both died. And Jesus in the story says that the one that was poor monetarily in this life, but was rich in faith in God, he wound up in heaven. But the guy who had everything in this life, who was very wealthy in this life, but bankrupt spiritually, he wound up in Hades or or hell, and Jesus said, the rich guy, listen, Jesus teaches here that the rich guy let wealth ruin his soul. And now here's the final mark of a fully devoted follower of Christ. A fully devoted follower has a deep respect for the alluring power of money. They realize money seeks to get its claws into every person and that the love of money, see, the Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. Doesn't say that. It says the alluring power or the love of money is the root of all evil. It is the root of spiritual disaster. It is the root of what it cause, what is that causes the ruining of your soul. Fully devoted followers, they overcome this alluring power they, of money. They, they learn to live well within their means. Oh, come on. They learn to live within their means. I'm not watching online, but I doubt if I got any clicks right there, any likes, right? Because we live in a world that often lives well beyond their means. Fully devoted followers say, I will not center my life around this. 
It will not control me. It will not have power over me. I'll not center my life around money. Now listen, this may be the most important thing that I say to some of you. Some of you spiritually have been ruined by money. You have spiritually been ruined by wealth and riches and now you're enslaved to it and now you're trapped to it and your greatest, listen, come on. Some of you, your greatest fear in this pandemic, it centers around this right here, money. How am I gonna make enough? How am I gonna keep everything I have? How am I gonna pay all my bills? How am I gonna do this? Some of you have been so enslaved by it, you have been trapped and your greatest fear in this pandemic is wrapped around money because it controls your life and it brings fear into your life and it is wreaking havoc on you spiritually. And some of you are feeling very uneasy inside right now, but what I am telling you is the truth and what I am telling you is out of a heart of love. See, it's not because you don't have enough, but maybe it's because you have too much. A few years ago, Vicki and I, um, every year our church sent, kind of like what we do here, we sent um, a team into Ecuador on a mission trip, and Vicki and I went and we noted that the communities that we went into in different, each day, they, they were some of the poorest uh, uh, communities in the world. They have, um, communities we went would have thatched roofs, their houses would not even be all covered in their roof or they're just, you know, they'd find a piece of tin here or some branches or whatever and they would put like this house together. Most of the ones that we went into did not have indoor plumbing or if they did, it was very poor. They didn't have electricity. Each day they would have to walk down to the streams and they would have to bring water back on their heads or shoulders each day they would have to hope that there would be enough food for the day for their kids. They had no retirement plan. They had no annuity. They had no social security. They had no medical insurance. They had no nice homes. They had no nice cars. And they live on less than $1,000 a month. And yet the hearts our hearts for Vicky and for me. Our hearts were so touched by what we saw at, the, at those that had literally nothing. Our hearts were broken at the utter peace and joy that filled their lives. <laughs> See, some of you don't get this. They had not been ruined by money. They missed nothing. They were not, they were not envious of, of other stuff. And we who had everything became so jealous of their joy. They had not been ruined by money. But some of you have. 
How, how are you doing on this one? Fully devoted followers of Christ. Now, I know when I get to this issue, talking about this, I've gone from the crowd here, everybody watching, and I've come to, the, and now I'm down to like here. Those that wanna be fully devoted followers of Christ, how are you doing on this one? Is this you? Who won, who won last year in your life in regards to this? Because Jesus said, here's what Jesus said. Again, you got an issue with this point? Talk to Jesus later, I'll give you his number. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters, God and money. He didn't say you shouldn't. He just said it's impossible. He said one of them will get your heart. One of them will get all that's inside of you. One of them you will be devoted to. And you, you just have to declare a winner. Who's gonna win in your life? Is it God or is it money? You, you have to declare a winner in your life. And so who won this year in your home? Who won this year in your life, in your marriage? As you look back at 2019, who, who won with this? Were, were you faithful to God in what he's asked you to do? Did he get a full 10% of all that he has entrusted into your life, of which you are blessed beyond measure with more than 95% of the entire world and what they have? See, you have to declare a, a winner. Is it God or is it stuff? Who, who, who gets your heart? Who gets your trust? Did you trust God or did you trust stuff more this year? What have you been trusting in your life? Those of you that wanna be fully devoted followers of God, what have you been trusting more than God? Well, hey, Pastor, I'm, I'm like 85% committed to God. Isn't that good enough? I don't know, you tell me. You tell me where you are on all of this stuff. Ask your, ask your spouse this afternoon. Just look, look into her eyes, sir. Hold her hand and say, baby, I just want you to know I am 85% committed to you. And then see what kind of a response you get. Because every day there are some of you that look into the eyes of God and you are basically saying, I am committed to you 85%. And that's not a fully devoted follower of Christ. You see, I want more. The older I get, and I realize as I talked, as I begin, I know that most of my life is behind me, and the closer I get to the end of this physical life, I want more. I hunger for it. I'll see him soon. <laughs> Come on, some of you, we're gonna see him soon. That's good news, that's not bad news, that's good news. We're gonna see him soon and I wanna look into his eyes and I want to know I gave him all. And I know this is not for everyone watching online right now. I have several friends, I have several family who would shrug their shoulders at this and think, I'm just fine, I'm okay with less, I don't need more. 
But sooner or later, you've got to get off this fence in regards to these things today. You have to get off the fence and making a commitment to Christ and being fully yielded to him and under his absolute control in your life. You have to be committed to loving relationships You have to get off the fence as to whether or not you're gonna be a real servant with your one and only life, or is it just gonna be about you? You have to decide whether or not you're gonna trust God or whether you're gonna trust money and stuff, and that will ruin your life. I don't know about you. I just know I want more. Some of you may have heard of this name, Jim Elliott. He was a missionary to Ecuador. He laid down his life to reach the Hurani tribe in the 1950s. He was very young. His life would ultimately end in death by the very ones that he was trying to save and reach for Christ. And just a few days before his death, he said these words that I wish I could burn into every one of your minds and hearts today. It is profoundly, profoundly affected my life. He said these words, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool. What I preach to you today is most serious. And I'm just wondering to myself this morning if there's anybody watching, anybody, who says, I want less of stuff and I want more of him. Someone who'd say, I I want more of his purpose in my life. I, I want more of his plan for my life. I want less of me and I want more of him. Somebody that would say, I don't wanna get distracted by all the things that don't last, the things that I can't keep. I wanna give more and more and more of my life to gain that which I cannot lose. I wanna use what God has given me, everything, all for his glory. Anybody watching this morning? that would like to bow your heart before him today and say these words, oh God, I want more of you. I don't need more stuff. I don't need more money. I don't need more things. In days like we're going through, I know, I realize I just need more of Jesus. See, Some of you that are watching, the truth about you is that you have sinned. You have fallen away. And what you are feeling this morning in your spirit is a desire to come back to him, to seek his forgiveness and seek his grace. I need more of Jesus to forgive me of my sin. I need more of him to forgive me of my past. There there is a spouse today that God is speaking to you. He has come in through your TV or your device and he has come into your living room and he sat down on your couch and he has nestled up to you and he is saying 
to you today, your marriage is not right. But it can be. God wants to deal with what's going on inside of you so that he can help deal with those around you. And what will solve your problem is not getting your way. Come on. It is not getting your way. It is getting more of Jesus involved in that situation and releasing more and more control to him. There's a proud person today watching and the truth about your life is pride is ruining your heart and destroying your home and ruining your relationships. It is your pride. You, you can stay proud or you can become humble. That's why scripture says you have to humble yourself and you pray you ask God to take away your pride and you get more of him. He, he's been speaking to some of you all morning long, even as the worship was going on, you felt him. There, there's someone watching today and the truth about your life and all we've been going through when everything is gone and you're sitting at home confined to a space and you have found there is something empty and missing inside because you found that all these things that the world said were good for you and they offered you, you found them to just be a lie. <laughs> but today God had you here and the Holy Spirit is calling you to surrender your one and only life to him. Would you bow your, not just your head, but your heart before him today as I pray. Father, we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would help all of us to be a church of rich people that are good at being rich, honoring you with what you have trusted us with. We are a church full of fully devoted followers of Christ. We every day wake up seeking more and more of you. There are many of you that are putting your hope in the wrong place today. Let me just say something to some of you that have never put your hope in Jesus Christ. You have never done that. You have never been born again, as Jesus said to Nicodemus. It's not about being good enough. It's not about what you can give or what you can offer or how you can use whatever you have. It's, 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 it's much more than that. And yet it's such a simple thing to do. You just have to pray a prayer and you, you mean it. You ask him to forgive you, to live in you, to come into your life. And so for some of you, just pray this prayer. Jesus, come into my heart. Save me of my sin. I need you. I repent of my sins and I turn my life over to you, you, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. And whatever days I have left, I will serve you all the days of my life. As Jesus said to Nicodemus, be born 
again, Jesus, I believe you died for my sin and I receive you by faith in Jesus' name. (laughs) Oh, that's an awesome prayer to pray. If you prayed that prayer, would you let us know? Because if you don't, Satan will rob you of it. You can send me an email. It's on our church website. Just send me an email. Click, if you feel bold enough, put it right on there. I gave my heart to Christ. Just write it, write it right now. Send us a note. Let somebody, let somebody know. And now, Father, as I close, I want to pray one more prayer, and it's for people that have received you as Lord, but they have never surrendered their heart to you 100% under your control. And I know how hard this is. I struggled with this for a long time. I didn't want to go to hell, but I didn't want to give control of my life to you. Until that day that I just laid my life down and I surrendered my life to you. And when I did, and when I got up, I found a joy and a peace that I had never ever known was possible. It was so freeing and it was so powerful. I have never regretted, nor have I seen anyone that has done that, that has ever regretted that decision. And Father, I believe that there are some watching right now that that is burning in their heart right now, that desire. They just wanna lay everything down. They wanna give you control of their life. They're saying, God, I want more. I want you to have complete control of my life. I humble myself today. Take all of me, God. Take my will. Take my past. Take my future. Take my family. Take my money. Make me a servant. Take all of me today. Because God, as I pray that prayer, the only desire I have is that I will see you one day soon. And I want to hear you say those words well done, good, and faithful servant. And so I pray for everyone today that is making a decision right now in their heart, in their life, would they find you to be faithful to them? We pray it in Christ's powerful name. Amen.